It was 1997, and I was living in Glasgow, Scotland. I was a graduate student, and I was writing a thesis on the riveting subject of electricity market deregulation in the United States and the United Kingdom. <laughs> Believe it or not, I wasn't the only person interested in that. It was big business, and there were a lot of companies taking claims in the new and developing markets. And one of those companies was Enron. In 1997, Enron was named by Fortune magazine for the third consecutive year as the most innovative company in America. That streak would grow to six years by the year 2000, and then in 2001, Enron went bankrupt. In the largest accounting fraud and corporate bankruptcy scandal in U.S. history to that point, <clears throat> the cesspool of corruption was so wide and deep that it engulfed their auditor, Arthur Anderson, one of the oldest and most respected accounting firms in the country. But that's not my story. Uh, <laughs> In the course of my thesis research, I became familiar with Enron, who was a market leader in the area that I was interested in. So I applied for a job at their London office and got a job. And the work permit requirements uh, meant that I needed to start work in Houston, Texas, and work there for six to nine months before transferring back to London. So I reported for work in January of 1998, hoping to work on a deal team on a trading floor in electricity trading or gas trading or power plant development. But instead, I was assigned to the research group. The research group was a team of PhD mathematicians, physicists, engineers, and economists who wrote really complicated option pricing and portfolio risk valuation and trading strategy models. I was out of my league. So I was wondering what I was doing with them, but I found out quickly. I was given a small cubicle in the human resources department on the 36th floor of the Enron building, far away from the action. And on one of my first days of work, my team met me in a conference room in that area, and they brought with them an igloo cooler, like you'd bring to a picnic, uh, but there was not beer and sandwiches in the cooler. Uh, in it was a device for measuring electromagnetic fields, a uh, data acquisition board, a cell phone, a solar cell, and a soldering iron. And my boss told me my job was to integrate these components into a device that you could deploy in the field in a right-of-way of a power line connecting a power plant to the main transmission grid. And when the power line went from on to off to on, it would signal the trader's desk back at headquarters and tell him, hey, now's the time to buy or sell power in the market area that power plant was operating in. I wasn't thrilled with this assignment. And, uh, you know, I realized that they'd read my resume and they knew that uh, uh, as a graduate student at University of Illinois, I'd been a research assistant and a laboratory technician. I knew how to make things like that work. Great. So things got even weirder when they told me uh, once I got it working on the test bench, uh, my job was to go out to a farm near Houston, Texas, which was adjacent to a power line go to the farmer, convince him that I was a technician from Stewart Environmental Monitoring Services. <laughs> Stewart was the name of my boss's son. And tell him that we were putting this device on his property because we were studying lightning strikes in the Houston area. It was at this point that pride and fear just really kicked in. I said, no, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. I was a naval officer. I was a graduate student. I'm not going around as an environmental monitoring technician sticking this thing in the ground. So... Um, uh, it, things got tense, uh, and I was scared because what was I going to do? Call up one of the companies uh, that I had turned down for, for a job and say, Hi, Enron wants me to make an industrial espionage device. Can I have that job you offered me a few months ago? Uh, and it wasn't a resume builder either for the same reason. Uh, so uh, anyway, I, I figured the only way out was through. They tentatively agreed to uh, let me transfer to another group as long as I got the thing to work and they take care of deploying it. Uh, so I got to work, and uh, one evening, uh, it wasn't set up for an electronics lab, it was, a, it was a desk for typing on a computer, so the soldering iron fell on my hand one night while I was working, and I got a second-degree burn. So I called up the uh, security guard 
made an accident report. They came up, took pictures of me, the device, my hand, and I got a nice report back, a workers' compensation claim. And it was like Alice's Restaurant, you know, eight by ten color glossy photographs with pictures and arrows and a paragraph on the back of each one to be used as evidence. <laughs> Someday. I survived my uh, time in Houston, transferred to London, and worked on a, a really good above-board deal for power plant financing in eastern Germany, and that was really cool. And then I made another rotation to a risk management group, which things got weird again. My boss came to me one day with a sketch that he made of a rectangle with some colored bars in it. He said, this is what our risk profile looks like. Now I want you to go to the Bloomberg machine and pull off some data and articles that support this sketch. Isn't that backwards? You're supposed to take your data and then come to your conclusions. But no, this is, this is what... So I'd learned by that time not to ask too many questions because I didn't want to know the answers. So I did what he, needed, um, he, what, he, what he needed me to do. Sorry about that. And uh, handed him my report. And I did ask him, what's this for? He said, oh, this is for our audit with Arthur Anderson. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Great. Well... My final uh, rotation was with uh, a coal trading group, and that's when the wheels came off my bus. Enron fired 10% of all its employees every year, and I was in a rotating program. At the end of two years, I'd get promoted to manager or fired. Uh, my computer was shut off in the middle of the day. The phone rang. It was human resources department. Hi, why don't you come visit with us so we can chat for a while. The employment protection laws in the U.K. are really strong. And uh, in situations like this, uh, where you haven't, like, robbed a bank or killed anybody, uh, (laughs) the company has to pay for a a lawyer uh, to review your case with you, uh, and then they have to give you a severance. So I went and told my story to a lawyer, and she gave me some advice, and I went back and spoke to the human resources director, and he uh, proposed a three-month severance. And I said, "Mm, that's not enough. He said, what? This is what we offer every associate who doesn't make it through the program. I said, but I'm not every associate. How many associates do you know who got injured in the line of duty? (laughs) I said, what? I said, yeah, see this scar on my hand? And this report is how I got that scar. I burned my hand making an industrial espionage device for Enron. Yes. (laughs) Isn't that a great story? (laughs) He said, are you blackmailing me? I said, no, I would never do that. But it's a great story, and I've done more for this company than any associate's done. You know, it's a life-threatening injury. I put my life on line for the company. I want a year's severance, please. He said, can I have that report? I said, no, you may not. But you can tell the head of trading in London who gave me this wacky assignment in Houston that I have it, and then I'd like a year's severance, please. Um, He said, I'll have to get back to you. Let's circle back in a week. So he went away and I went away and he came back and I came back a week later. I didn't get three months and I didn't get a year, but I did get enough money uh, to make a down payment on an apartment in Hoboken, New Jersey when I moved back home. And I owned that apartment for 15 years and sold it about a year and a half ago. And I made a little bit of money on it, enough that I could decide to take a mid-career break and have an adventure, come to Anchorage, Alaska, and work as a volunteer for a local nonprofit building affordable housing.